This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So turn with me, if you will, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. 2 Timothy, chapter 4. We are going to continue on this line. Now, I won't have to do as much review as on last Sunday, since we're a little bit closer to the last time we taught on this. But remember, we're going to establish the will of God. And if we're going to be the people who establish the will of God, we are going to have to be serious. And if we are serious, we're, we're going to get started, we're going to continue, and we're going to finish. So we are in the midst of an effort to make this congregation a congregation of finishers. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul has been our object lesson here. He says in verse number 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So Paul gives his testimony and says, that shouldn't only be my testimony. That should be the testimony of all those who love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to understand in context when he says finishes, you know, we can use finish in different contexts in our day. He's talking about he did it to the best of his ability. He's saying that he did it in an excellent Christ-like manner. That's the context. And what did he finish? He finished his course. Now, we said if we are going to finish, we have to have something to do. We have to get started. We have to maintain. And then we have to close it out or have it in good shape to carry on without us. Always remembering that God's plan is greater than than you as an individual. God loves you. Yes, God saved you. But he didn't stop with you. He didn't stop pouring out his love after he got to you. Oh, I don't need to love anybody else now. <laughs> I'm done because you, you broke it all. You're all I need. No, he still has a work that he wants to carry on. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he loves others as well. Our God's a big guy. He has room for everybody. And so, I mean, again, I want to make sure you understand. It's that simple. It really is that simple. Have something to do, get started, maintain it, close it out, right? And so we asked, or we answered the question, well, what is my course? And I want to make sure you make it personal like that. We said that my course is a task given to me by God. My course, according to God's will, you know, sometimes we've got to get in line with God's will, but according to God's will, it's the thing that must be done. And I'll have you to know that God sees and God knows. And when God sees, he sees that there's a lot of things going on around us. But we've got to 
get in tune with God's mind because we see all the things going around with us and we want to identify the thing that must be done. We want to give ourselves to that because it's the task given me by God. In his mind, it's the thing that must be done. My course is his will concerning my life. My course is the ministry of God that I am called to work. I like that. It's God's ministry. I'm called to work it. I know how we use our phraseologies nowadays. And we talk about my ministry. And I'm not trying to change your phraseology. I'm trying to make sure you have a proper understanding. It's God's ministry. It's God's ministry. You see, because when it becomes our ministry, we start acting crazy. We have to have the right mind. It is the ministry of God that I am called to work. It is my God-designated path. A lot of people can say that you should do this and you should do that. We want our God-designated path. And my course includes my purpose. We all have the same purpose. And you are not on course outside of purpose. Our purpose is to walk in him. Our purpose is to be conformed to the image of the Son. The Bible says in many different ways, we are on our purpose when we make our calling and our election sure. We're on our purpose when we are established. We all share in that. And if you're not there, I guarantee you, you are off course. Now, we said that you have to have something to do. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But remember, God has this in his sovereignty. This is not in man's mind. This is pertaining to the will of God. And all I will have you remember is that your one ambition should be to fully please him no matter what he calls you to do. We've got a lot of people who get in the church and they aspire to be this or they aspire to be that or have this title or have that title. Whatever the case, we need to, we need to be these, these people. Here I am, God, use me. That, that should be us. We become, God, I want to be this. God, I want to be that. No, we should just be the people who say, here I am, God. Use me. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to your name. I'm telling you, you know, we look for that good church. And the good church is made up of good people who understand, who don't try to elbow their way into positions, who are there saying, here I am. I'm available. Use me. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Amen. Let me keep moving on because that'll make me want to stop and minister to us about some of our applications where we're waiting for uh, an open spot in the area we want to be, instead of just saying, here I am. I'm available. God, you can use me. And I believe God will speak to people like that. <laughs> I believe God will open up their eyes and say, you know, there's a space over here. Uh, let's keep going. I, I think we'll, we'll get a chance to get to some of those things today. And then we said, after you have something to do, now it's time to get started. But wait, 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 wait. You've got to be prepared before you can get started. And so there's preparation. And God has been dealing with us about being prepared. Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
this is a good verse. Verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these. Again, we talked about this. We, we mentioned this is about being on purpose. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. I like that. Prepare for what? Prepared so that you can handle any good work he calls you to. Because if you're there, you're prepared for every good work. And God can call you wherever he needs you. Again, that's the kind of people we ought to be. But remember, preparation is to begin before you're even aware of a course. You should already be in preparation. That's why God has been dealing with us. You're like, I haven't heard God specifically what I'm supposed to do. You have heard God say, prepare. And as you prepare, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself suddenly prepared to every good work. And here's what happens. I don't believe you know when you're prepared. God just calls you when you're ready. <laughs> he, has, he has the cookbook. He knows how long you need to stay in the oven. He knows if you're at the right temperature. He knows if you're just at the right brownness. And then he'll take you out and say, I'm ready to use you. So what does that mean we have to be? Faithful. <laughs> Faithful. Amen. Again, in that faithfulness, remember, I'm just, my one ambition is to fully please him. So I don't care how long I have to be at this or at this level or in this place or in this position. I just want to make sure he's pleased. So in preparation, we spend some time talking about we have to settle the issues. We have to settle the issues. This is where we, we get rid of the weights. We put aside the sin. And remember this. I had to write this down so I, I didn't forget it. But a weight is anything... Anyone, any attitude, any trait that is unnecessary and prevents you from advancing in the will of God. Anything unnecessary. Anything. You might say, well, I'm shy and so because I'm shy. Well, you're going to have to settle it. You have to get rid of that weight if that's keeping you from moving forward. That's anything. Anyone. Any attitude, any trait that is unnecessary and prevents you from advancing in the will of God. This means whatever is outside of my God required responsibilities. And that's a nice way of saying it. You know how we mentioned before how some people are like, yeah, my spouse is keeping me down. No, that's your God given responsibility. <laughs> the one you signed up for. No, you enlisted. You were not drafted. You enlisted. You said, I want this. And now you got this. And now it is your God responsibility to take care of that. You know what this? You can't get rid of that weight, but you can settle it. Amen. This is where when we mention you, you're going to have to sometimes just accept that the way things are are the way they're always going to be. In other words, she may not ever cooperate. Get over it. <laughs> Learn to live with it. He might not ever cooperate. Get up and learn to live with it. That child that you've been waiting for might keep you waiting to your grave. Let's not wait. But we have to settle it. 
Again, I'll, this is what keeps us from being prepared. Since we haven't settled these issues. So we need to settle it. We have to get rid of the weights. We have to accept that some things are just going to be the way they always are. We also said sometimes we're just going to have to cut our losses. Because remember, we expend so much energy. We invest so much time. So much of ourselves into things that really aren't making a difference. Now, in our minds, we think that if, we, if, it, if it comes out, if it, if it, if it, if it breaks out, then, then suddenly, you know, we need to cut our losses. Because you keep pouring into that and you keep waiting. One day, one day, one day we're going to hit it. One day we're going to hit it. You know, it's been ten years. Cut your losses. You know, sometimes, sometimes we just don't understand. Can I say it that way? And in our ignorance... How do I say? I'm, I'm trying to not embarrass myself too much, but you know, I was looking for a dock for my computer. So, so oh man, I, I see a dock, and it's supposed to go with this computer. So let me go ahead and get this dock, and then I get this dock, and then I find out, oh wait, I need another cable. See, see, I, I, I bought something ignorantly, and then I find out another cable. See, that was my ignorance. I didn't know I needed another cable, and then another cable cost a little bit of money. And then I found out that it wasn't fully compatible with my computer. You know, it's time to cut losses. I'm not going to get that money back. You know, I'm not going to try to run some game and, and lie about, oh, it didn't work. For, it didn't work. No, it didn't work for you because you were ignorant. And so sometimes we put ourselves in position. We sign up for things and we, we put ourselves, uh, we put our, our hopes and our dreams and these ambitions and we start applying ourselves to them and we just start out ignorantly. And as time goes on, we find ourselves, we're no closer to God. We're no closer to the thing that we think we wanted. It's time to cut losses. Yeah, but I put so much into it. Cut the loss. So what, what, this is what we meant when we said divest. Sometimes you just got to cut the losses. Because some things you count it as gain, but you know that they're losses as it pertains to your walk with Christ. You hear me? Some things you know, I'm going back to the rich young ruler. Yeah, you put all that into that money. Put all that into that job. Put all that into that career. And you know they're abusing you. You know they're misusing you. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm, I'm two steps away from moving up again. But, but you know, closer to, you know, what you kind of gain, there really are losses as it pertains to your walk with Christ. Time to cut the losses. Let go of thinking you cannot live without certain things. Make it up in your mind, I can live without it. I'll be alright without it. You know, here's the thing, which you, you ought to just look around. Look around. And when you look around, you know what you're going to find? A lot of people living without it. You're going to find a lot of people making it without whatever it is that you've been investing so much of your time, so much of your effort into. You're going to find somebody standing. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. And when you do that, then you can say, you know what? I can make it. I can endure. I can go on without it. And I know sometimes you have to eat crow. Because you, you confess before everybody, watch, you watch. And they've been watching you flail. And it's okay. See, because, again, we go back. Paul is our example. Those things that I counted gain, I now count loss for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about being prepared. Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 4. 
No man that warreth entangleth himself with the fears of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Don't you like that? No, you can get bogged down with a lot of things. But when it comes to God calling you, you can't get caught up with other things. You can't get bogged down with those other things. You want to give yourself fully. All these things are keeping you from focusing on that thing that must be done. And what happens is when you're not focusing on the thing that must be done, you're not pleasing him. But no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why not? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So in other words, settle it. Get rid of the weights. Cut the losses. Make up in your mind, I can live without it. I can make it. Now let's please him. We said after settling it, then we need to take aim. This is where, and now that we've put aside the weights, now it's time to put on the new man. And now it's time to fill up with Christ. That's all that simply means. Yeah, we have to go here. Luke chapter 11. I was trying not to go here, but Luke chapter 11. Verse 24. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, Now, here's what I believe. I don't believe an unclean spirit just leaves just because, you know, my time's up. I believe that unclean spirit is driven away. And so, when someone does the effort, puts in the effort, and that unclean spirit has gone out of a man, that unclean spirit walks through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none, he said, you know what? Their change isn't real. I will return to my house once I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it sweat and garnished. Nothing has occupied that space that they once occupied. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they all enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. He's not saying it has to be this way. He's saying this is what happens when you get rid of the weights, but don't fill up with Christ. You go through these cycles. Well, now I'm, I'm getting it together. Yeah, but you didn't take aim. You didn't focus. You didn't make him the love of your life. You didn't make him the apple of your eye. You didn't put effort in to make sure that you are now putting on the new man. And after a while, what you thought was gone is going to come back again. These are the cycles of life, my people. And so after you do all that work, all that effort, you settle it. You put aside the weights. Don't make it a wasted effort. Now it's time to have a single eye and set your focus on God and his will. This is where we learn to hear his voice. This is where we learn who he is. This is where we learn his desires. And then we said, on top of that, then we need to get instructions. Because without instructions, the best I can be is a poor imitation. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what imitations 
you know what response imitations get? They're like, oh, oh, really? Or they get laughed at. <laughs> See, I knew that thing was going to break. But without instruction, the best we can be is a poor imitation. And so what we need to do is we need to wait for guidance from those God has placed as our instructors. We have to wait for guidance. God's not going to leave us without that guidance. And make sure you understand, you do not know enough to go forward without getting instructed. You don't know enough. And at the same token, I don't care how long you've been in the way, you're not so seasoned that you don't need any more instruction. I hear David say, I was young, and now I'm old, but I'm going to say it a little bit different, and I still need instruction. <laughs> you know how we are when we're young, I can't wait to, and then you find out, you know what, I don't know enough. <laughs> so I don't care how old you are, you, you, I don't care how long you've been in the way, you are not to that place that you've arrived, that you've got all knowledge, that you've got all understanding. You still need instruction. So, so you've settled it. You, you've given yourself over to make sure that Jesus is the light of your life. You've gotten instructions. Now let's get started. Now, if we're going to finish, not only are we going to have to have something to do, we're going to have to get started. There comes a time when you must go from preparation and enter into initiation. Hallelujah, glory to your name. You know, there's, there's so much time you can, you can get on preparation. There's so, much, there's so many lessons you can get on preparation. <laughs> so many teachings. But there comes a time when it's time to initiate. 1 Timothy chapter 1. So we can't start if we don't move. So a lot of us have been in preparation. Hear the voice of God say move. First Timothy chapter one, verse three. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. Here's the point. So do. Because I gave you instructions. Now move. Now do. See, see, the instructions are part of the preparation. So, Timothy, you've gotten the instructions. Now you're prepared. Now it's time to move from preparation and enter into initiation. Do it. Perform what you've been given to do. That's so important. Luke chapter 17. We're, now we're catching up to where I want to be. Luke chapter 17. Almost there. What do I do? That's why you waited for instructions. Do what you were told to do. <laughs> Follow the instructions that were given you. Luke chapter 17. Verse 11. And it came to pass, 
as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. He gave them instruction. They went from preparation to initiation. And as they went, as they obeyed, they were cleansed. What did they do? They followed the instructions. That's all they did. They followed the instructions. And again, I want to make sure you understand this. We settled on this point. It's very good to have instructions. It is critical. It is essential to have instructions. But that's not enough. Because the blessing is not in the instructions. The blessing is not in the instructions. Let me say this again. The blessing is not in the instructions. You know, those notes that you have in your notebook. The blessing is not in the instructions. You know, that word that you brag about, that you receive, the blessing is not in the instructions. The blessing is in the obedience. So you can boast all you want to about what you know, but until you do, you've missed it. Having the instruction and the command is wonderful, but it means nothing if you do not obey. James chapter 1. I'm just debating to go to this scripture or not, but we will. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer I'll tell you what he's like he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue with therein he being not a forgetful hearer Oh, my goodness. You know, this is why I repeat myself so much. Because God just called us out. He says, unless we do, we forget. And there's a lot of space from Sunday to Sunday. There's a lot of opportunity from Sunday to Sunday. There's a lot of opportunity to do, but sometimes there's some forgetful hearers. And they're forgetful because they do not do. And so we've got to come back and remind them of what they were told to do last Sunday. Because God's a good guy. <laughs> Just because he's good. He doesn't sound through with you. How many Sundays i got to say the same old thing over and over and over again. But he patiently deals with you. While you sit up there complaining, we heard this already. 
But whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. See, the blessing doesn't come in the hearing. It comes in the doing. And so, again, I'm, I'm trying to get to where I want to get to, and I'm still in that mode. Don't rush me. 1 Kings chapter 18. We looked at this scripture. I don't know why it takes me so long when I know where it is. 1 Kings chapter 18. Because it's a very good question. First of all, we want to get you to see that the blessing is not in the instruction. The blessing is in the obedience. The blessing is in the doing. If we can get you to see this, then we can ask the question, why don't you do? And so 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. We looked at this. Well, let's start at verse 19. Now, therefore, send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. They were silent. They were quiet. Elijah opens up to them this question. Why don't you obey God? Why don't you just obey God? He gives them the choice. He said, now, now, now you can serve God or you can serve Baal. But choose one. Why don't you just serve God? Why, why aren't you obeying God? And they said, you know, we can't give you an answer. And, and here's the thing that gets me. They are in a land that God delivered to them. Sometimes we forget where we came from and how we got to where we are now. And, and we get to where we are now and then suddenly we got to have something that we didn't need in the first place. Oh my goodness, is this ministering to you? You know, one of the things that gets me is my people. I am what we call an African-American even though I'm more American than African by a long shot, whatever the case might be. But it gets me that I am among a people who at times past lived the struggle. Made it without fancy cars. Made it without fancy clothes. Made it when we didn't have a name to ourselves whatsoever. Denigrated, looked down upon. And now we act like we can't make it if we don't have all the goods, all the money, all the jobs. Sometimes we forget where we came from and how we got here. And then we raise children. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. We raise children. And we bring them up in the church. And then, after they get... You don't understand. We have, a, we have advanced... We're not where we used to be, but we got there through prayer and struggle. Trusting God and believing God. Then we raise children to not know the struggles we had before. And then they get out the house and they forget where they came from and how they got to where they are now. And then it behooves us to take on the assignment of restoring this generation. But God brought you into the land. 
God was the one who's good to you. And now you think that without this job, without this promotion, I can't make it. How long halts you between two opinions? You can't just claim the name, I'm a Christian, but not serve God. God's an afterthought. I'll make it a church if I can, but I got other more important things to do. Here's your issue. You don't believe that God is. You do not believe that he is. He's not just a name. He's not just an idea. He is the true and the living God. Let me tell you, he hears prayers and he answers. He's a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. He's a God that changes. See, if you could just listen. Listen to those who've been trying to tell you, honey, baby, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, don't know how I made it, but he brought me through. You see, when there was no food on the table, I believe that God is. You see, you worried about how big your salary is and whether or not you're above the poverty line. We didn't even know about a poverty line. Nowhere in sight. But God brought us. And that's why when you, you think you got these big issues, they can't, they don't understand. No, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand at all. If you would just trust Him. If you learn to hand things over to Him. The eyes of the Lord. It says they run to and fro. Throughout the whole of the earth, he seeks for an opportunity to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. How long will you be caught between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then serve him. Obey him. But if not, stop using his name as though you're his. I'm sorry. Let me settle down. <laughs> so turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You know, I, just because it's the first place I flip to, I think about Daniel. Daniel got in a place away from his homeland. Picked out as one of the choice children in a place where they said, you know what, we're going to prime you, prepare you to be a great one in this nation. But he remembered, I know where I came from and I know how we got here. If it had not been for, I, I believe he, re, he repeated the refrain of his parents. And they said something like this, if it had not been for the Lord on our side, Daniel, we wouldn't have made it this far. Hebrews chapter 11. People don't understand. They really don't understand. Let me tell you, you don't understand. We look at one another and we see certain people with certain jobs and, oh, they got it good. You don't even understand if it had not been for the Lord on my side. 
if it had not been for his goodness. Uh, but, but see, what you see is the end. You don't see how they got there. You don't see the times of prayer, the time spent in his presence. You don't see the time spent in study. You don't see the time seeking him out because we came to points of choices, decision points. And we said, we don't want to make this decision without you, God. We want to acknowledge you in all of our ways. We want you to direct our paths because we don't know what's behind door number one. We don't know what's behind door number two. We don't know what's behind door number three. So God, how do we choose? And when he comes through, everybody says, look at them. No, look at God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, at Mount Carmel, they're like, well, well if I serve God, then I might, be, I might miss out on something. You have to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He won't leave you hanging. He will take care of you. He will provide for you. He'll be your strength in the time of your weakness. He'll be your wisdom when you just don't know. But you've got to believe that He is. And I, th- I just thank God. Again, I thank God for this minute because we have too many witnesses that have lived the life, that are living the life, that are showing us that He is. Not ashamed to testify, oh, 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 no, no, you don't understand. He is to God be the glory. First thing we have to settle. In all of our settling, settle it that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Turn to Second Kings chapter 5. And see, and everything else we talk about after this, other reasons why we may not obey God, it comes down to, do you believe he is? Do you believe that his word is true? Do you believe that he will perform according to his word? Do you believe his promises are true? Second Kings chapter 5, starting at verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses. And with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. Remember, Naaman is a a leper. He suffered from leprosy. And and trust me, they they don't have they don't have a a magical elixir. They don't don't have any kind of ointment that's going to cure him of leprosy. And, you know, and sometimes, at some point, sometimes we're just like, you know, and sometimes this is where we need to be. It's going to be or it's not going to be. <laughs> and Naomi learned, Naomi has at least learned something. Well, let me go to God. Because my hands are tied and I can go no further. I can do nothing more. I can't do anything about it. But there's a God. He's about to learn that he is. 
So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away. He didn't obey. He went away. And said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leprosy. He called him his God. See, but I understand when you know him as his God, you don't believe that he is. <laughs> he says in verse 12, Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. How dare I? I've never... Verse 13, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, some hard thing, some difficult thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he said to thee, Wash and be clean. See, here's one of the reasons we say we don't obey God. Because it's just too simple. Just plain too simple. See, in our minds, here's how we translate that. What's that got to do with anything? What difference is that going to make? I ain't got to do that. In the simple things, we won't even obey in the simple things. Why? Because we don't believe the God is. But that's where Naaman was. He said, oh, come on. Now, certainly, he would call upon the name of his God and do something great. God didn't move in this. Yes, he does. In the very simplest of things. See, this is what happens when we get in service. We hear something simple and we're like, oh, what's that got to do with anything? I ain't going to make a difference. I hear Peter, after fishing all night, hear the Lord say, cast out, launch out into the deep for a catch. And I think Peter hesitated, like, you know what? If this man wanted to preach, I wouldn't give him this kind of respect. But nevertheless, at your word, and couldn't hold the fish, you know what he did? He said, God is. <laughs> That's why he fell down to his feet. Away from me, a sinner. Because I doubt it that God is. He can move in the simple things. Just be obedient to the simple instructions. And, and that's what's so funny about it. It's the simple things. The hard things you sign up for. The simple things you won't do. <laughs> and you miss God. <laughs> Amen. Just do the simple things. Just simply obey the simple thing. And then on top of that, look, look, verse 13, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said to thee, Wash and be clean? Then when he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean. He had the instructions <laughs> but he wasn't blessing the instructions. He found that out when he walked away. But when he went and obeyed he got what he was after. And the issue was he didn't first do the simple thing he had to receive instructions from somebody who wasn't even a prophet. Can I get an amen? 
somebody who didn't have a name on a book that's on the New York's best-selling list. Got an instruction from somebody who was not on prime time. Who wasn't doing the circuit on TV. Maybe it's some pastor in a small business complex in a church whose name nobody knows. I said, nobody? I'm sorry, God knows. And they know God. And so one of the reasons we don't obey is because we don't like where the instructions came from. We're looking at who gives the instructions instead of the one that supplied them with the instruction. And we've got to learn to receive godly instruction no matter where it comes from. Because sometimes people will tell us about ourselves. And it's not necessarily, not necessarily our God-given instructor, we don't think. But they're spinning truth. Yeah, we'll turn here. Numbers chapter 22. I, just, just to show you this. Numbers chapter 22. These things make me laugh. We have to learn to recognize truth no matter where it comes from. And what will happen is godly authority is going to confirm it. Yeah, what you heard was true. <laughs> What they said about you was true. That's who you are. You need to change that. You need to get rid of that. Numbers chapter 22. Huh. Wow. How much of this do we want to read? Now, let's just read verse 28. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. And she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? I'm sorry, I, I got to read that again. And the Lord opened. The devil didn't do it. <laughs> God opened the mouth of this ass to speak to Balaam. You're going to tell me you don't have instruction. I'm sorry, that, that gets me. You tell me you don't have instruction. I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know. I guarantee you, you didn't know wasn't because God didn't say. But a lot of times we just don't listen. A lot of times we just don't pay attention. Listen to me. Pay attention to this, people. The services you miss, you're still accountable for the instructions that were given. Just because you weren't where you were supposed to be, doesn't mean you are relieved of responsibility. And then what happens is we move without instruction and we get, based on our ignorance, and we ask God, where were you? Or we come to the people of God, well, now you missed something in your teaching. No, you missed something in your hearing. If God opened the mouth of a jackass, either you don't belong to him or he spoke to you and you just missed it altogether. Amen. (laughs) 
And one of our hang-ups is that we just want God to speak to us personally. We want God to do something major. Again, it's just too simple how he speaks to us. We don't like that it's in a setting like this. It's not spectacular. Amen. Glory to your name. You know, it's something we just got to deal with. It's because sometimes we get entertainment-minded as well. And we say the message didn't move us, but God spoke. Let me keep moving forward. I, I, I want to I wanna get for, further <laughs> than this. Another reason, again, but the point is, you just don't believe that God is. You don't believe that God can speak through men. You don't believe God can speak to you in that church, wherever you are. You don't believe that God can speak to you through that person. Here's one of the issues that gets me. You'll receive a number of things from that person, but you won't receive their godly counsel. Oh, oh, when they, when they loan you some money, oh yeah, you're right there. Oh, I take it. But let me tell you something about the things that God, oh, don't talk to me about that. You know, I witnessed that with, with I witnessed that. Let me just say that. <laughs> I witnessed that. People will be going along with you for all the social things. Supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. But when you have a word to share with them about how they ought to be changing, they ain't got nothing to say. Those times they try to avoid you because they know what you're going to say. You know, but, but God put them in your life when you're receiving all that stuff from them. One of the reasons people don't obey is because you look too much at the vessel, not the giver of grace. And by that I mean you're the vessel. <laughs> you're the vessel. God gives you instruction. You do the who, me? And you get so fixated on your inabilities. You forget the guy that you serve. Look at this in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse number... Let's start at verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said, and saith unto him, Ephphathah, that is, be open. And straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He had done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. He makes the deaf to hear. 
He makes the dumb to speak. And you sit up here after he calls you or gives you instruction and say, Who, me? If he can make the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak, what can he not do through you? What can he do? Turn back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Before you say, I can't, consider, he makes the deaf to hear. He makes the dumb to speak. Before you say, I can't, consider, do I believe that he is? First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. Oh, I like that phrase. Paul says, I've been enabled. I was not born this way. <laughs> I didn't just walk out and become so great. No, I was enabled. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I didn't start out this way. I don't know what idea you have of me, but I've been enabled by his grace. If anybody should have said, not me, or I can't, Paul says, I should have been the prime example. Let's let's keep reading verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern of them or to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. He says, look at my pattern. God has set me up to be an example to you. Don't say you can't. Don't say he can't do through you. Don't say he can't change. Don't say he can't do a wonderful work. You see, Paul says, look at me, and then here is the testimony. Look at what the Lord has done. While you're looking at the vessel, remember, God enables. God gives grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 9. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. If there's anyone who should have been disqualified, if there's anyone who should not be in this position, certainly it's me. For I'm the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> He's like, I'm not trying to explain it to you. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm not trying to, to take up for myself. All I can say is, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You know, I, I like this because here's what I hear Paul saying. Paul saying, now, of all people who shouldn't be in this position, I'm in this position. I'm going to work it. <laughs> I'm going to take advantage. I'm not going to let this pass by me. While you sit up there and you contemplate, the blessing not in contemplation. The blessing is in the doing. So I'm not sitting up here talking about, well, I'm not the right kind of vessel to use. I'm not the person. Look at all that I've done. He's like, no, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I accept it. Here I am, God. Use me. So stop waiting for somebody else to do what God has given you to do. You can use some. No, no, no. God has called you. Hey, man. We'll probably finish here. First Corinthians chapter 12. Keep your ribbon. Actually, if, well, you're not even there. First Corinthians chapter 12. We're already in First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 12. Here's another reason why people don't obey. Because the task that God gives them isn't so glamorous. Didn't have that pow. Didn't have that pop. Doesn't make them look great in people's eyes. Just doesn't do it for you. <laughs> Which means you're looking for the praise of men. Again, it all comes back to you haven't settled it. That God is a rewarder. You want his reward. You don't want the reward of men. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12. It's going, well, it is what it is. Starting at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now, suddenly, Paul is going to go biology on us, Okay. So, so he's actually already entered into it. So when he talks about the body, he's talking about our physical body. For as our physical body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are still one body, so also is Christ. So he's talking about our physical body here. He says in verse 13, See, because he wants us to see the similarities between our physical body and the body of Christ. He says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Uh, let that sink in. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, whether we be male or female, whether we be young or old, whether we be black or white, we've all baptized into one body by one spirit. And have been all made to drink into one spirit. We've all, in other words, we all have the same supply. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter what you're called to do, we all have the same supply. Each and every one of us. And we'll go backwards a little bit because he says as much in verse 4 through 7. He says in verse 4, 
Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same supply, the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same supply. It's the same Lord. Look at what you're doing. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same supply. It's the same God which worketh all in all. But whatever the case is, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, whatever you're called to do, whether glamorous or not glamorous, same supply, and the end of it is profit. This is why I'm going to go back a little bit. This is why when we have to have something to do, our only ambition should be to fully please the one that has called us. Stop looking. You know, we had this as part of our teaching. Stop looking at somebody else's course. You got yours. They got theirs. You both got the same supply. And both of them end up in profit. Here we go. And you know, the example often comes to mind, especially those in the Able Ministers of the New Covenant class of number 16. Or Korah, Dathan, and Biram, where they started a rebellion. And you know why they started a rebellion? Because what they were doing didn't seem so glamorous compared to Moses and Aaron. And so they lost that ambition of fully pleasing him and started to look for the praise of men. And they didn't recognize the same God brought them all. The same God delivered them all. <laughs> and in their service, there was profit. But they wanted something different. Let's, let's go back. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. For the physical body he's talking about here is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? <laughs> Again, I, I like this. For the body is not one member, but many. You know, sometimes you see some big-headed children, but they're not all head. <laughs> you know, they got necks. Oh, they have a neck. They got arms. They got, you know, the head may take up a mass, but they're not all head. <laughs> you know, that's one big head. No, it's not. <laughs> that's a full body. So he says in verse 15, if the foot shall say, because I'm not as big as a head, <laughs> I'm not a member of the body. No. It doesn't work that way. Is it therefore not of the body? Verse 16. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, if you were just one big eye, how could you hear? If you were one big ear, uh, how could you smell? And again, he's talking about the, he went biology on us. <laughs> he's talking about the physical body. And look what God did in this body. Verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And I like this scripture. I know we use it a lot of times. He's talking about the physical body, but he's talking about how God operates. He's like, like he did this physical body. You think he spent all this time on this physical body and didn't spend that kind of time on the body of Christ? Everybody has their place. Everybody has their part. And we need them all. Verse 20. 
Oh, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, they're necessary. You know, again, I, this is just how God operates. He doesn't put anything in there without purpose. And so when you say it seems feeble, that ain't nothing. In other words, God didn't waste that. That's a necessary part. And look at this, verse 23. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. In our comely parts, oh, I, I like this. He just, again, he, he goes biology and he just gives a great example. You know, those things that, oh man, my eyes, are, you know, we enhance the eyes because our eyes look so good, right? Proud of our eyes. Proud of our, whatever the case might be. <laughs> and our comely parts, those glamorous parts, have more abundant comeliness. Because our glamorous parts really have no need. But God had tempered the body together. Having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. <laughs> See, the stuff we're not proud of, what do we do with? We glam it up. Oh, we dress it up. So he's saying now, you have more sense about your natural body than you do about the body of Christ. You're sitting up here wanting to get the glamours. You want to be a comely part. But in all honesty, we need every part. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. In other words, if you aren't on task, we all suffer. This is not about emotion. It's not about what you have going on in your life. It's about whether or not you're doing your part. Whether or not you're on your course. Whether or not you're just sitting there with instructions and not moving. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ. And members in particular. And God. God. I said God. Korah got mad at Moses. And Moses was like, what did I do? <laughs> You, you think I set this up? You think this is my establishment? You think I parted the waters by my own power? It was God who got us this far. It was God who set this up. It's God who's in control. I'm just an obedient servant. So God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? In other words, if you want to be mad, get mad at God because he said it. But you see what he did with your body? That same God who formed that body? He's put together the church. 
Well, you're worried about, well, I don't think this is as glamorous, so I'm not going to waste time on that. You forget God had fearfully, wonderfully made us. And again, I want you to understand this. God's going to go on without you if you will not cooperate. In all honesty, this is just a golden opportunity for you to be workers together with him. This is all this is. And trust me, God's program is not going to be stopped by you. And I thank God for it. Because remember, it's for the profit of with all. So God cares more about our profit than your hangups. <laughs> and here's the thing that gets me. We get in the church and we look for glamorous positions. But the people we follow after, do you think they had glamorous positions? Turn back to 2 Timothy. We do this real quick. 2 Timothy, because Paul's our example. We look back on them like, oh, I want to be known like Paul. Do you really want to? I want that kind of name. I want them to look at me like they look at Paul. Uh, 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 let's look. Second Timothy chapter 1. <sighs> I'm going to use verse 7. We'll start there. We're going to jump around a little bit. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, don't you have to often wonder why? He makes it a point of God has not given us a spirit of fear. Well, that's part of the point here. Part of the point here is God didn't give you the spirit of fear because of fear, you're going to have to power through some things. Jump down to verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Do you hear them? See, if I was afraid, I wouldn't go through this suffering. But where I am, people trying to be like me, guess what? I got suffering. You want suffering? For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. See, I'm convinced he is. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Look at verse 15. Let me show you how glamorous his position was. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. <laughs> of whom are, are Phygelus and Hermogenes. It, that's how glamorous his position was. Everybody left him. <laughs> you up here, you want a glamorous position. Well, I want to tell you this. There are no glamorous positions. For all who will live godly will suffer persecution. Look at this in chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 16. Here's Paul talking about how glamorous his position was. At my first answer... No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I just pray God that it may not be held or laid to their charge. That's how glamorous my position is. You want this position? Suffer with me. <laughs> Stand alone with me. Well, but I'm not alone because God is with me. You want a glamorous position? You want a glamorous position like John? R remember, <laughs> tradition tells us he was boiled in oil. Want a glamorous position like Peter? Remember, tradition tells us he was crucified upside down. Be careful of your ambitions. I'm going to go back to this. Our ambition should be to fully please him who called us. 
I want you to know. We have to do away with every excuse for not moving. And I'm out of time. But most certainly, our God is not. I'll have you know about this this teaching. And I may have mentioned it last Sunday, but this is this is a, a map for our lives from beginning to end. This is incredible to me. It really is. I, I know I mentioned last time that you'll find yourself in here somewhere and it's our beginning to the end is contained within here. So these things are most important. So when God calls us, be, be ready. Because He is. He's rewarded them that diligently seek Him. Don't be mad when you don't move and others do. And you see what God does through them. And you have the same opportunity as each and every individual among us. And don't look down on this position or that position. They're doing this. They're doing that. I don't want to do this. Go back to our application process. right? I'm waiting for that opening in that area. I want to be. When you should just be one. God, here I am. Here I am. Use me. I just think, again, these things go through my mind about me first coming to this ministry. And I remember me being so moved by, by God blessing me by the word of this ministry and by the people of this ministry. I remember I had that conversation with God. God, I want to do something. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I just want to do something. I can't just sit here and feed and be blessed and have my life changed and not be able to do something. God, that's not right. I see all these people putting into it. I want to put something in. And I still remember our, our pastor making, saying that God had dealt with somebody about something. And, and trust me, God hadn't dealt with me about that. But I stepped up to that guy. I hadn't dealt with me about it, but I'm willing to do it. <laughs> Because that's my cry. Here I am, God. Use me. And trust me, it wasn't a glamorous position. But did I care? No. What was my ambition? To fully please Him. Fully please Him. I wasn't looking to move up. Oh, now, now Pastor will notice me. <laughs> Maybe I'll get invited to lunch. <laughs> Maybe I'll get invited to dinner or something. Maybe I'll get my name mentioned. Who cares? Because in my mind, this is all God providing. And I'm like Paul. I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I don't care what y'all are doing. <laughs> Sit back if you want to. You don't labor. I'm going to labor more money than you all because I appreciate it. But I don't believe I stand alone in that. I believe there are many people like that. And again, I want to make sure you understand this. There's room for everybody. There's work enough for everybody. And I believe this. If we all had a willing heart and a mind to work, if there, were, if there wasn't a position, there'd be made one. <laughs> and how good off we would be. How on point we would be. How we would, we, how we would be advancing and performing the will of God. And establishing His will. Because now we're talking about a congregation of finishers. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. 
For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.